0: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, Plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. Your perfect home sweet home. Welcome to Brainstuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brainstuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. The visually decadent hit show Bridgerton has managed to take some of the edge off and provide sweet relief from this world full of social unrest, pandemics, and scurrilous politicians. Set in 1813 London during the Regency period, Bridgerton quickly wrecked previous Netflix viewership records, with 82 million households worldwide tuning in during its first four weeks of release. That's a stunning 41% of their subscriber base. No doubt, people tuned in because they had heard tales of the diverse and gorgeous cast. All the steamy sex scenes didn't hurt either. But hot-lovin' isn't all that Bridgerton is about. Feminist themes permeate throughout the first season, and the show also shines a bright light on class issues that plague society still today. Nonetheless, Bridgerton is a fictional television show based on an equally fictional book series, so it's safe to say that some creative liberties were taken. So, what did Bridgerton get right and wrong, historically speaking? Is it a true representation of life in Regency England? Executive producer Shonda Rhimes is known for shattering ceilings and stereotypes, so it really shouldn't have shocked anyone that her team cast a black man in the leading male role as the Duke of Hastings. And sadly, the scenario would have been very unlikely in Regency England. But we spoke via email with Whitney S. Christensen, a Regency historian. She explained that only about 20,000 of the 1.3 million people in London at that time were black, or about 1.5% of the population. She said, Bridgerton is largely a fantasy in terms of the diversity of the population shown. The majority of the black population was poor or working class, with most employed as servants. There are some exceptions, however. She said, while the numbers of high-ranking black people in Bridgerton is fantasy, some of the ways they're depicted are based in fact. Black boxers like Bill Richmond and Tom Molyneux were a popular form of entertainment, much like Hastings' friend Will. Additionally, interracial marriage, while rare, did happen and was depicted in the literature of the time. Let us also not forget that Queen Charlotte herself is portrayed in the show by a Black actor. This may very well be rooted in fact. Christensen said, One of her ancestors may very well have been a Moor or Black, a mistress of one of her ancestors. Portraits of her definitely illustrate an African cast to her features, including her curly hair but there were almost 500 years between Queen Charlotte and the Moorish Mistress that may have been her ancestor. Watch any period drama, and you'll likely wind up incensed by the portrayal of women's rights or lack thereof. Bridgerton does a great job of depicting a close representation of the rights of women of the day. Whereas most of the female characters obsess over finding a husband, the character of Eloise Bridgerton routinely laments her gender's societally imposed limitations in life. She says in one scene, must our only options be to squawk and settle or to never leave the nest? She says in another, you wish to follow your heart and I wish to nurture my mind. The thing is, the women depicted who worry over finding a husband do so for good reason. In that time period, Christensen explained, quote, women could typically not inherit And in fact, many estates were tied up in entailments, which meant that upon the deaths of their fathers, their homes were inherited by the nearest male relative, sometimes leaving unmarried women homeless. This made marriage incredibly important, because there was no real way to support yourself financially if you were not of the working class. Hence the London season, which, during the Regency period, ran from around Easter to the end of the summer. During this time, the debutantes came out at Queen Charlotte's Ball, a tradition that continues today. During the Regency period, this marked the beginning of a months-long process of lavish balls, where men and women considered each other for marriage potential. Christensen said, the hunt for a husband was indeed known as the marriage mart, and people did indeed track how many times you had danced with a specific partner, and particularly if they were in a row. Three times in one night meant you were practically engaged already. Many young women felt immense pressure to find a husband immediately, as the character of Daphne Bridgerton does. A Christensen explained, There is some truth in the idea that a failure to find a husband in your first season was a disaster, but it's not because of your reputation. It's more that the money spent on a successful season, the gowns, the carriages, the travel expenses, the balls hosted in one's own home could be ruinous if they didn't pay off. The pressures on Daphne to make a good match would have been very real. In the area of costumes, the show took some liberties, although the fashions are rooted in reality. A Christensen said, these are mostly fantasy, with the designers taking the silhouettes from the era and playing with color and creativity for effect. The silhouette of Daphne's gown is largely accurate. regency era gowns were inspired by Greek sculpture, as the Parthenon marbles were moved to London during this time, and so neoclassical ideals were all the rage but use of color in Bridgerton is much more madcap than the reality would have been. Detail-oriented viewers might also note that Queen Charlotte and her courtiers are outfitted in a much different style, more suited to the Georgian aesthetic. A Christensen said this is accurate because court dress remained several decades behind fashionable dress, with large hoops being worn until 1820. As with most films, books, and TV shows set in previous times, Bridgerton presents a double-edged sword of sorts. A Christensen explained, for example, those who take Bridgerton's version of history as truth may fail to understand the deep racism that marked early 19th century London, including how its depictions of black men as boxers or marina as sexually experienced may actually reinforce racist stereotypes rather than challenge them. However, Fantasy history can also be a powerful way to get people interested in real history. It's often the pretty dresses and romance and charismatic characters that draw us in to discovering the real-life facts behind these people and places. It's a great marketing campaign that can lead to real scholarship. Today's episode was written by Aliyah Hoyt and produced by Tyler Klein. For more on this and lots of other curious topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year.